we put that title up there, guys? I was thinking about this week and um, thinking about being younger. Uh, I was really thinking about that during that graduation ceremony when, well, I was the only one without hair. And, <laughs> but that's beside the point. Um, don't you remember when you were a kid and as Christmas would get closer, you just couldn't wait. You just could not wait to see what was under the tree, to, to open the presents, to play with the toys. You just couldn't wait for Christmas. And before we go any further this morning, um, I have to make a confession. I know we're not Catholic, but um, I have to confess to my church family and my pastor that I didn't always wait for Christmas. As a kid, I became very, very good at replacing scotch tape. <laughs> and in the days that would lead up to Christmas, especially, you know, when we got out of school for the holidays and wasn't much to do and I had time off and things like that, I just decided to see what was in there. And at first, I would just peek, you know? I'd just lift up a corner, see if I could see what, what was on the box. But then as I became more and more skilled at this, I realized there was no need to to, to stop there. One year for Christmas, I got the complete Evil Knievel motorcycle set. You know, you had the Evil Knievel on the little motorcycle and you put him on the thing and you revved him up, you know, and he would fly off and jump things. I was doing that like December 21st. I would take those things out, play with them, wrap them all back up. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. The only downside was at Christmas, you had to pretend like you were surprised. You know? Um, but I got good at that too. You know? And so I have to tell you, I didn't always wait for Christmas. And I'm not advocating that. Okay, guys, don't. You, you younger people don't do that, all right? Because you never know when your mother might come in there, okay? So just don't do that, all right? I wanted to talk this morning as we approach, and I wanted to, as we approach Christmas, and I, and I wanted to start uh, talking about uh, a unique couple, a unique man and woman facing an unbelievable pregnancy. And so I want to start this morning where you think we would start at Christmas, in the book of Genesis. Look at Genesis chapter 12, if you would. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will make your name great, 
and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 2,000 years before Christ was born, God set into motion a plan to recapture the children that he had lost because of the fall of mankind and of sin. This is the, the place in the Bible that we typically refer to as the covenant between God and, and, and Abraham. And God says some things to him in this conversation that had to just really stretch Abraham's imagination and his ability to reason and to think. He comes to Abraham at a time in his life when, uh, frankly, he was done. At least in his own estimation. Abraham was 75 years old when God has this conversation with him. And, and the Bible tells us that he had acquired a lot of things, a lot of materials, possessions, I'm, I'm assuming livestock and land and money and um you know they didn't use this word back then but for all intents and purposes abraham was retired he's he's done he's he's ready kind of to to live out the rest of his life in comfortable situations and in familiar surroundings and god has another plan he tells abraham to leave his people his father's household it, then, he, then he goes on to tell him, uh, I'm going I'm to make you a blessing to other people. I'm going to make you famous, Abraham. All the people on earth will be blessed through you. At which point Abraham said, huh? No, he really did. Because this concept of, of being a blessing, especially to people that you don't know, especially to other people groups, this was completely foreign in the day in which Abraham lived. Your security, your health, your welfare, all was a product of you being established in a particular place and surrounded by people who knew you, surrounded by family and other people that were close to you, uh, you didn't go and you didn't travel and you didn't explore and you certainly didn't interact with other people because this was the most violent time in the history of the world and when you went to see other people, they killed you. It was just that simple. And here's poor Abraham at 75 years of age saying that God is going to use him to bless other people. Not only is he going to use him to bless other people, he tells him, I'm going to make you a great nation. And Abraham's looking around going, nobody here but me. God, how am I going to be a great nation? How am I going to be the father of a great nation of people when I don't even have a child? I'm an old man. None of this conversation made sense. To Abraham and all of it frightened him and all of it startled him and all of it's got a whole lot in common with another couple who's going to face another unusual pregnancy that we'll talk about in a minute this is what God says this is what I want you to do so Abraham 
has sin to make a, a real important choice in his life. Am I obedient to what I don't understand? Or am I disobedient and just keep rocking along where I am? We know the story. We know the end of the story. We know that Abraham's obedient. Later on, he's obedient to the point that he's willing to sacrifice Isaac. But initially, the first thing Abraham has to do is go tell his wife. I don't care if it was 4,000 years ago. That's not something we enjoy. Let's just be real honest about that this morning. If we can escape having to tell our wives something that we know is going to upset them, we don't want to do it. Okay? We're cowards. We do not want to have this conversation with Sarah. We do not want to, to have Sarah um, question us about all the things that God has said over and over again and, and have all of these, these questions that she's bound to pose to poor Abraham and him not have an answer for. We don't want, he didn't want to do that. And every time I read this section of Scripture, I think about that conversation. You know, this time of year, at some point, probably a lot of, a lot of different opportunities, you can watch It's a Wonderful Life. You know, stars Jimmy Stewart. That was Abraham. He's 75 years old. He's got to tell Sarah something that he doesn't want to tell her, and he can't get the words out. I think he sounds like Jimmy Stewart. I think he goes to home, and he says, Ah, 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 Sarah, Sarah, hon. Sarah, yeah, 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 when, 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 when God, God, God he, he, he speaks to, oh, honey, he's really done it this time. Sir, he, he said that, that, that there's this land. And, 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 and he, he would lie for us to, 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 to go. Sir, what, what I'm pro sir, what I want you to know, Sarah, we're moving. <laughs> Bless his heart. He has to do that. But he does. The very first steps that eventually bring us Christmas. You know the story. Abraham has Isaac. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob has Joseph. Joseph gets sold into slavery by his brothers. And the first part of God's promise is realized because Israel, the nation of Israel, does become a nation they become a nation of slaves. Let's, let's stop there for just a second. We talk a lot today about 
dysfunctional families. It's just prevalent in our world. You want to talk about dysfunctional people? Look at some of these people. Abraham starts on the journey with Sarah, and the first thing he does is, when they get to an inconvenient or an uncomfortable place, he says, tell them you're my sister. They rock along a little while. Baby doesn't come. God promised there'd be a baby. Sarah says, have a baby with my servant. I'm going to help God out. That was Sarah's thought. Evidently, God is busy. And he needs me to help him. So let's have a a baby apart from the way that God intended it. And we get Ishmael. And from that point on, the world has been arguing and fighting about the difference between Isaac and Ishmael. It's in the Middle East this morning. Sarah couldn't wait for Christmas. Joseph, the 11th child, sold into slavery by his brothers. Now that's bad. But y'all, I don't think we give the brothers enough credit. That boy got on their nerves. No, he really did. He would always tell them about dreams he was having and how that one day they were all going to bow down to him. And, you know, that just, that just rubbed you the wrong way after a while. I have empathy for those brothers. When I grew up, I, did, I, I didn't have brothers, but there were, there were four of us cousins that grew up together. We were all about the same age. And I know this is hard for you to, to visualize now, but some of the things that we used to do as boys, we did not have permission to do. And we did it anyway. One of our cousins always thought it was his responsibility to tell people, tell our parents, tell our grandparents about some of the stuff we were doing. That kind of transparency will wear pretty thin. So from time to time, we had to try to educate him (laughs) on how important it was to keep some things confidential. I had a dirt bike. We used to jump the dirt bike over things. Dogs, bales of hay, little ditches, whatever. But one day we were in the backyard at my grandmother's house and we were jumping the dirt bike over trash cans. Built a little ramp, you know, having their big thing. We decided we needed to go for the grandparent backyard record. We were one trash can short. But we had a cousin. So we made him be the last trash can. <laughs> and we jumped over him. My granddad used to bring us things. He worked in Fort Worth and he would bring us things that he thought we would enjoy from time to time. And sometimes he would just bring things because he knew it would make my grandmother mad. But one time he brought us a little horse. The little horse's name was Poncho. Poncho did not like for you to ride him. We would play with him all the time, and 
you know, we'd get on Poncho, he'd buck us off, and we were having a big time. One of our cousins was afraid to get on Poncho. The same one that always told on us. So we tied him to Poncho. <laughs> Poncho got loose and ran out into the highway with our cousin sitting on him crying. So I have empathy for the brothers. Now we never sold our cousin. We knew we couldn't get anything for him, but I understand where they were coming from. Seriously, for just a second, if you're here this morning and your family history is not one that's exactly stellar, there are things about your past and about your situation and about the way that you uh, came to this point in your life that maybe you're just not the proudest moment. I want you to understand this morning, Christmas is for you. God used these people who were so messed up and had such selfish intentions to bring us the greatest gift of all. Israel becomes uh, a nation of slaves and God sends a deliverer, a precursor almost to Jesus in Moses. Moses comes and you, you know the story and, and um, he, he, he battles with the Pharaoh and uh, all the plagues and all the different things that, that come along and, and they get to leave. Moses is successful. God works through him, and, and, and they get to leave, and they get out, on the, uh, out in the wilderness, and, and Moses goes up to talk to God, and what did the people do? They can't wait for Christmas. They convince Aaron to build the calf, and um, they take matters into their own hands and circumvent what God wanted to do. Time rocks on, and um, Israel keeps asking God for a king and so he finally uh, relinquishes and, and he allows them to do that and, and uh, the kingdom of Israel is established and, and two of the most prominent kings certainly were David and his son Solomon Solomon was the builder he was the architect he was so smart he was an engineer he does what his dad couldn't do and he builds the temple and Solomon couldn't wait for Christmas. He begins to marry people from other cultures, other religions. And his faith is compromised. And to make a real long story short, before you know it, the kingdom is divided and we've got Israel in the north, we've got Judah in the south. The Assyrians wipe them both out almost uh, completely at different times. The Babylonians hold them captive. And God is almost silent to the people. It's been a long, long time since he had that initial conversation with Abraham. God sends the prophet Isaiah. And I want, I want to read um, some of what Isaiah said. Look, if you have your Bibles, you want to look there. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. He said, For to us a child is born, 
To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. Look at um, the first uh, sentence there. Isaiah says, For unto us a child is born, but then he goes on and he qualifies that. He says, To us a son is given. Isaiah got it. This was not just a baby. This was not just someone who was going to come into to earth like most people do and do extraordinary things or make a big difference in the landscape or in the geopolitical realm that these people were dealing with at the time. Isaiah knew, look at the tense of his verbs. He says, a child is born, a child uh, is given to us. Hundreds of years before Jesus actually appears on the earth, Isaiah got it, that this is the eternal, almighty Son of God. That God was going to arrange for him to come and to be with us. Isaiah got it. He understood that, and we could jump ahead a few hundred years. And then we read the story that we anticipated reading this morning, Luke's Gospel, chapter 2. Beginning in verse 8, it said, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Now I want, I want to notice something. I want you to notice something before we go any further. We started with Abraham and we've gotten all the way up to the point where Jesus is actually born uh, and is on earth. We covered all that ground in the New Testament. It took Daryl six months. Okay. We did it this morning in about five minutes, you know? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. We know what happened. The question this morning is why? Why? Why did God, thousands of years, through very strange circumstances, quirky, unusual people through wars and famines and miracles and floods and every other kind of, of unique situation that we could possibly imagine this morning. Why did God begin this journey back in Genesis chapter 12 that ends with a baby born in a barn in a small Middle Eastern town. We can see that the plan never faltered. We, we could really trace it a whole lot more in depth than, than we looked at it from a cursory glance this morning. And, and we'd just be amazed. It's really mind-boggling how steady God was throughout the entire process. The question is why? Why did God do all of that over thousands and thousands of years 
so that his son would be born in a manger. A real concise answer that we have in Scripture, written by the Apostle Paul. I want you to look in the book of Ephesians this morning. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Scripture says, For he chose us in him. We need to really pay attention to the wording there. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. And maybe this is the most important of all. In accordance with his pleasure and his will. Why do we have Christmas? Why did we get the gift that we got? See, I'm a firm believer that some, at some point toward the conclusion of the creation process, I don't know when, day five, day six, maybe it was day seven when God was resting, I don't know, but at some point, near the end of the time when God was creating the world. God posed a question to himself, and he said, now that I have done everything, what do I really want to do? Now that I am everything, what do I really want to be? And I think the answer that God gave himself was, I want to be a dad. I want to be a father. And even more specifically this morning, he said, I want to be your father. God posed that question to himself, and he said, more than anything else in this world, I want to be Byron Smith's heavenly father. I want to have a relationship with Byron Smith that is personal and unique and sustainable forever. That's really what I want. And the problem was we were in the wrong place. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians? That we were to be holy and blameless in God's sight. And I've already confessed to you this morning, I don't fit those categories. You can't tie your cousin to a horse and be holy and blameless just doesn't add up we were all born wrong we were all born with a nature that's inclined and inherited uh, from our our earthly lineage we we're born to sin we were born in opposition to the holiness of God and when that became evident after the fall very very quickly in the very first book that we have in the Bible God said, I'm going to fix this. 
I'm going to fix this because it's what I want. It's what I want. You see, I believe that our God is big on Christmas. I believe he enjoys getting a gift just like we do. And ironically enough, the gift that he wanted more than anything else was each and every one of us. And the way that he could do that was to allow his holy, perfect son to come to this earth, live a perfect life, commit the final fulfilling sacrifice, and seal the adoption that each of us could have back into the family of God. That's really what Christmas is all about. We think of Christmas as gifts, and we can't wait to get to them. Our Heavenly Father was no different. And so I want to encourage you this morning. That if you're not at the place in your life where you know that the gift of Christmas has been applied to you, and what better time, what better place, what more preparation could God have done? How many more steps could he have taken to make it possible for you this morning? All you got to do is come and unwrap it. All you got to do is come and open your gift. And I was so impressed while ago when Daryl was praying and because a lot of times when we're, when we're as blessed as we are and we're as fortunate as we are, we forget that sometimes these, these times of, of the year are, are difficult. And, and, and Daryl prayed specifically for those folks. And I, I want to encourage you this morning, if you find yourself in one of those situations this year, just wait for Christmas. Don't circumvent what God has got in motion in your life. We may not be able to see it all right now. Probably can't. It's for sure that the nation of Israel couldn't see all that God was doing over those uh, centuries in preparation of bringing Jesus to us. But that doesn't mean he's not working. That doesn't mean he doesn't have an answer. That doesn't mean he doesn't want you to have an awesome, awesome Christmas. Just trust and just know that a God who would go to the lengths that he went to to make it possible for us to be in a relationship with him will not fail. And he will not fail you in the journey that you're on right now. Just wait for Christmas. Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we're, we're so grateful this morning as we, as we take a, a very rushed approach to looking at all that you did in order to bring this, this event that we celebrate to us, Father. We're so grateful, Lord, that you did not ever waver in your zealous mission to redeem us, Father. 
even at the life of your own son. God, our prayer is right now, if there's anybody in this room, regardless of their situation or circumstances, Father, that truly has never accepted the gift that is Christmas, the personal encounter, the dynamic encounter with Jesus Christ, God, our prayer as your children is that this would be the very time where they say yes to you. And Father, for others that need your hope and your confidence, need to be reminded of just how hard you're working to finish that which you have begun, that good work which you have begun in their lives, I pray that this Christmas would serve as that inspiration. Forgive us now where we fail. You take this time and help us to use it, Father, as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen. Our pastor's here. You come and you uh, deal with God as he would have you to this morning.